The Holy Gospel today comes from the book of St. Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning with the 36th verse. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank Thanks be to God. You may be seated. My dearest siblings, grace and peace to you from God in whom we live and move and have our being. Amen. Um, I'm going to be very honest with you all today. This was a really difficult sermon for me to write, and I have no idea what's about to happen. I'm sorry for that. Um, in fact, as I was going through this text, there were two things that happened. One, um, the stuff that I initially kind of popped out at me when I was going through it, I felt like it was stuff that I've already said over the course of the year so many times. It feels especially like it's stuff that I've said on Easter Sunday and last Sunday, and I didn't want to repeat it for a third Sunday. But then the second thing that happened was I ended up feeling like this sermon was something I was writing for myself. And so I think that's what I have here. I think I have a sermon that I wrote for myself, which means that it's not a sermon that I wrote for you, all right? And I apologize for that, but there was just no way I could work it out, and I, and I had to write what was coming. And my hope is that as this is a sermon for me, maybe there's some kind of a benefit for you. And the other thing is that, you know, sometimes you write a bad sermon and move on. Um, and I hope this isn't a bad sermon by any means. Um, and I guess the feeling that I, I was coming at this week is that this is our second Sunday of Easter and nothing feels different. Now, if you imagine yourself as the disciples, the day after Easter, especially our disciples this day is, as Jesus appears to them on the lakeshore, that's got to feel like a brand new day to them, right? Like the whole world has changed. It's the big happy ending for them. It's the thing that, that fills them up and sends them out into the world, even to their own persecution and their own death. So it, it has to be something that fills them up 
powerfully. It's this new day for them. And I think maybe for us, at least for me right now, doing Easter year after year after year, that feeling of a new day, that feeling of novelty, it kind of wanes. But for me, especially this year, um, our country is still insanely divided. We are far more concerned as a country with fighting each other, with with drawing our lines in the sand, with taking our our politically ideological sides, demonizing the other, and trying to win at all costs. And I'm sick of it. We had another shooting last night. We've had three shootings in the last two weeks. And instead of trying to confront uh, gun violence as a united country, instead of saying, here's our ideology, here's our ideology, let's compromise, let's come together, let's figure this out, we're drawing our lines in the sand and we're fighting. And I'm sick of it. We are still fighting with this just disgusting evil of racism in this country. And then drawing our lines in the sand, fighting each other whether it even exists or not, and I'm sick of it. And I'm waiting, when does the new day feeling start this year? I've had it in other years. I have it, I've had it throughout this last year. But it's Easter. Easter is a new day. Easter is when we experience the resurrection. It's when the power and the love and the grace of Christ becomes alive for us. And I'm not feeling it. And so I think I wrote this sermon for myself. And I'm trying to think to myself, with this text that we have in front of us, what's the response? What do I do? How do I feel this? And I think for me, and this is the part that's for me, maybe not so much for you, Easter for us has become a time and a season of statements. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Hallelujah, he has risen indeed. That's a statement. For me, it doesn't feel like a reality right now. We believe in the resurrection as dogma, as doctrine. But for me, that's what it is, right? It's just dogma and doctrine. It's, it's a statement that, that we proclaim proudly and loudly. But the truth is, I think these statements are something that are meant to call us as followers of Christ into experience, into action, into connection with each other. And that's when it kind of clicked for me as I was going through this text. This, is, this, is, this was the good news for me as I was writing this sermon for myself. And, and truth, when I do pastoral counseling with people, um, this is the advice that I give them. When we are just bogged down and not feeling it, the best thing I think we can do is to step into action. Maybe we're not feeling the Easter message right now, so the best thing we can do is step into the action that Christ calls us into, to go out and and love people, express justice and mercy and grace and healing. We might not feel it, but just go and do it. If you immerse yourself in that action, a shift typically happens. And this is the advice that I give people. Just just go out there and start doing something to help others. And the truth is, that's, that's what we see in this text today. You look at our gospel text, we're in the book of Luke. So Easter Sunday was the, the Easter story in the gospel of Mark. 
Last Sunday was the moment that Jesus appears to the disciples for the first time in the Gospel of John. Today, we're in the Gospel of Luke, and this is the first time that Jesus appears to the disciples in the Gospel of Luke. So this is, this is Luke's story about the disciples encountering the risen Christ for the first time. And one of the hallmarks of Luke is that Luke's gospel and the book of Acts, which Luke also wrote, is about action. It is about experience. It's not about dogma or doctrine. It's about actually stepping into this way of life. And that's what we see. So before Jesus makes any kind of a statement on what the scriptures say about his resurrection, about how this was all uh, in the prophets, in the law of Moses, in the Psalms, the first thing Jesus does is he invites the disciples to come and touch his hands and his feet, to see the wounds, to see the, the pain that he had experienced at the hands of the empire, at the hands of this powerful, powerful system that they as the disciples and Jesus had been standing up against for the last three years. Jesus invites them experientially, viscerally to come and feel the pain and the wounds, to realize that it was real, to connect to him in that pain. And then the very next thing he does is he invites them to sit down at a meal. Now a meal, a meal is a powerful moment. You can take two enemies and sit them down at a table over dinner and watch their walls come down. There's something so intimate and vulnerable about sitting down at a meal with somebody else, at feeling connected to them in that space. That's why we do communion. And frankly, communion has robbed us of that experience because we don't sit down around a table with each other we don't talk to each other. We don't connect to each other. We've turned communion into this one-on-one -on -one relationship with the person coming up and receiving it and God. And we've robbed ourselves of, of this connection with the community that we're meant to experience in communion. When communion was done in, in the first century, after Jesus had ascended, when people first started doing it, it was always at dinner. It was not a separate worship service. It wasn't a separate time where people came and received a, a little piece of bread and drank some wine. It was always done at dinner time because that was one of the most intimate and communal times of the day for people. And it was always meant for the gathered community to experience God's presence in each other. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus invites the disciples into this communal experience by, by sitting down and, and eating some simple broiled fish with him. So they have this experiential part. And then after that, after that groundwork is laid, then Jesus talks about the scriptures. Then Jesus gets to theology. In our Acts text today, where Peter stands up and makes this statement to the gathered crowd, the part that we don't read in this story of Acts, it's only the, the second part. The first part that happens is that Peter and John see a man who is disabled at the temple, and they heal him in the name of Christ. So the first thing that the crowds witness with Peter and John is that he heals 
a disabled person, a person who was not allowed to be a part of their community because of their disability. He heals them in the name of Jesus. And everybody sees it happen and they're like, oh my God, this guy healed someone, but that other guy, Jesus, is dead. What's going on? This guy, Peter, must have special powers. And Peter, before he gets to theology, he heals this man. And then he says, look, I didn't do this because I'm special. I did this in the name of Jesus. I did this because of that guy that you crucified. The power came from his name, not from me. So before Peter makes this theological statement, it's grounded in action, in healing action. I think we see a pattern here that, that before we can ever get to theology or dogma or doctrine or statements, we have to start with action, with experience, with getting out there and, and, and feeling it, embracing it. And I wonder if there's something there for me right now, because again, this sermon is for me but I hope it's for you too. So if, if you are like me, if you're kind of boggled down by the way things are going right now, maybe the thing for us is just to immerse ourselves in action. And I think we can take a cue from our texts today. I think we as Christians especially, we are called to connect to the pain of others, just as Jesus invited the disciples to connect to his pain by feeling his wounds, by seeing his wounds, we as Christians are called to connect to the pain of others. We are called to see the face of God in others, not by making statements, but by going out there and connecting with them. And if you need an example of that, talk to anyone who has been a part of our food distribution over the last year. Talk to them about how they have seen the presence of food insecurity in this valley and how prevalent it is. That food distribution is not solving hunger. And that's not its point. Its point is to feed people in that moment for a week. But it has also brought every single one of our volunteers who is a part of it into a deep, intimate connection with every single person who comes and gets that food. It has allowed them to experience the presence, the face of God in every single one of those people. And it's allowed them to see the pain that is present here in our valley around food insecurity. And by being connected to that pain, we are connected to those people's humanity, their divinity. And in that moment, it allows any of our volunteers, it even allows the folks that come for the food because they start volunteering, they start getting involved in this. Just like John in his first letter to declare you are a child of God. When you are so connected to someone's pain and thus their humanity, you can declare with such ease, you can make a statement, you are a child of God. The end. Now I know that, and here was a tough part for me writing the sermon. Like I said, there's something sacred about gathering over a meal. We do that here at this church. We gather over a tons of meals. And, and, and that was something I wanted to say, but then I was cognizant of the fact that we're in a pandemic. We probably shouldn't be gathering over meals right now. And that's painful. That sucks. 
to want to say, hey, there's something special about gathering over a meal, and we can't do that right now. But the truth is, every Tuesday, people gather over a meal. This Sunday will be the first time where we physically gathered together will gather over a meal. And you in your personal lives, I imagine you have had these moments where you have gathered over meals with people. Maybe with friends you haven't seen in a long time that you feel comfortable having a meal with. Maybe it's your children or your grandchildren that you haven't been able to gather with in a long time. But I imagine there's these little pockets of, of moments where you have been able to gather over fellowship and commune with loved ones, where time disappears and you experience God's presence and love in that fellowship. And so while, yes, I lament that we can't gather as a congregation over a meal the way I would love us to, we are able to gather and commune with one another. And there's something so sacred in that that we should immerse ourselves, that I should immerse myself in and feel that love. And then the final example we see in our text today is just the simple act of healing. Before Peter makes this theological statement, he heals this man, this man who is not able to be a part of his community. He doesn't just heal his disability, he enables him to go and rejoin his community again, to commune, to be in fellowship with others. And while I look at the state of our, our nation right now, while I'm kind of boggled down at not feeling the resurrection right now, at being upset at how divided we still are. I think what, what, what we need, what our society needs, what, what our country needs, is for every single Christian to just simply try to heal. Whether it's healing people in pain, people dealing with anxiety or suffering or loss or loneliness, or it's trying to heal the divide that we are in. To say we might fall at, at different points in the political spectrum of this country, but if we could be focused on healing, maybe we could solve some of the problems we're facing. Weird. Maybe it's a sign. But there's something about, as a Christian, we are not meant to just go out there and defend statements. We are called to be agents of healing for ourselves, for our community, for our nation and our world. So as I wrote this sermon for myself and as I was thinking about it, when I think of Christianity, it, it really is this incredibly beautiful response to pain, to struggling, to suffering. And it's not this beautiful response to it because because of our statements, because of our doctrine or our dogma. It's not this, this beautiful response to that stuff because, you know, if we gather and pray the right way, God will magically come down and like heal people and take away their suffering. But it's because Christianity, the way it was meant to be in the first century, was this community of people who were feeling suffering and pain were brought together People all over the, the area, the, the region were brought together and the first thing they were connected with was that they were all experiencing some level of pain and suffering and struggle and they were united in that. A community was born, Jews and Gentiles, poor and wealthy, 
powerful and powerless. The first thing that happened was that they experienced unity, connection with each other, and that connection was in their shared pain and their shared struggle, and that's what Christianity is today. Every single one of us is connected because every single one of us is going to go through pain and suffering and struggle in our lives. And, and every single one of us in that unity is called to then love each other in that space, to declare to each other that you are a child of God, that God is with you right here, to gather and love each other. That's why I think Christianity is this powerful, amazing response to pain and suffering and struggle. And, and in those spaces where we do find that unity, We can experience that communion and that healing and we discover that we are truly, every single one of us, children of God. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen.